I'm Jessica Randolph, and welcome to the How to Buy a House podcast, where we empower you to invest in real estate and start building wealth for yourself. It's the biggest purchase of your life, and we're going to teach you how to do it right. Your host, Jessica Randolph, is an HGTV designer, a top realtor for over 10 years, winner of the National Association of Realtors 30 Under 30 Award, Rookie of the Year, number 11 realtor on social media in Tennessee, and most importantly, the founder of the How to Buy a House class. Jessica, take it away. What's up, guys? It's your host, Jessica Randolph, and y'all are in for a giant treat today. I'm talking hot fudge brownie Sunday of an episode. Um, we have two co-hosts today for the price of one. We've got the Waller House team with us from Austin, Texas, and I cannot wait for you to hear what we've got in store for you on today's episode. We are talking all about exit strategies today. In a nutshell, how can I have this house make money for me? What should I look out for on the front end before purchasing a home so that I can end up with a profitable investment at the end of it? How do I use my first purchase wisely to start building wealth for my future? Woo! This is my favorite thing to talk about, and I know our co-hosts are excited about it too. We've got some of the top realtors in Austin, Texas with us today, Lindsay Harris and Kristen Backey. Kristen and Lindsay founded Waller House. It's a real estate company and a lifestyle brand in Austin, Texas, and they are our how to buy a house representatives of their market. Lindsay has been in the real estate business for over 18 years and bought her first home for $120. We will definitely be hearing more about that later. She has personally supervised the financing, construction, and remodeling of more than a dozen properties in central Austin and now owns multiple properties in other cities as well. And Kristen bought her first home in college with her summer internship money that she earned from selling books door to door. So they both now have multi-million dollar real estate portfolios, including short-term rentals, long-term rentals and future development projects, and they're so excited to provide an attainable approach to real estate investing. So no matter what stage of the game you are in, Lindsay and Kristen are your girls. They believe that knowledge is power, and they are here to help you better understand how to buy a house. If you're in the Austin area, you have got to connect with them. Lindsay and Kristen, thank you so much for embarking your wisdom on us today. Lindsay, Kristen, if you guys want to give us like a little background on who you guys are and what you're doing in Austin and just give us a little a little bit more info on y'all, that would be great. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. We're so excited to uh, talk about investing and buying real estate. So I've been licensed for about seven years. I moved to Austin about six years ago. And one of the biggest reasons why I got into real estate was because I personally uh, bought a home out of college, kind of scraped my way by and like was introduced to the concept of buying a property and then living in it with roommates and having them cover your mortgage. And so that was actually my first transaction as a realtor ever. And it was my own home. And then in doing that, I was like, Oh my gosh, everyone has to know basically this like hack that I figured out, uh, which, and and so that's really kind of like what launched my career into real estate and, yeah, I've been now licensed for seven years and work with buyers and sellers and uh, love my job a lot. So, yes. yeah. And I I actually got into real estate as a way to pay off my student loan debt. I was drowning in debt and, you know, I was working as a wedding photographer. I had my own business and I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to maintain the, the student loan uh, payment. And so I started reading every book I could get my hands on about buying a house with zero down and bought my first house for $120 down. And stop then, it. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and, and then I ended up figuring out 
the hack of how to parlay, you know, I, I ended up pulling some equity out of it a couple years later and then bought another one and another one and another one. And, 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 you know, I had never seen that much cash in my life, but <laughs> when I got a taste of it, I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it was kind of awesome because, you know, I come from a, a, a family that, you know, get your 401k, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I went in a different direction. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, I think everything that you just said totally encompasses why this podcast exists and why we're so passionate about bringing this information to everybody. Because it isn't just for that one person that has a parent that's in real estate that's coached them along the way or somebody who has a ton of cash and they're like, well, I guess I'll just buy real estate. Like buying a home is for everybody. And it's just a difference of taking that leap like you did with $120 in your pocket. You know, you took a risk, but you also educated yourself. And I think that that's really, really cool. And I love that that's your background because you are just, you have all the credibility to talk on this subject. So amazing. It's also just great because you get both sets of personality traits and both sets of skill. And I love having both of you as our teachers in Austin because I think people are just going to get so much out of both of y'all's experience and your take on Austin. And you're really getting two agents for the price of one. And I just love it. Our philosophy is that, you know, I don't think about it as buying a forever home. We think about it as like, let's get your foot in the market. We treat every purchase as an investment. And so we look at it strategically as what's your exit strategy? If you had to move or if you lost your job, like how are you going to be able to cover this note? You could sell the property or you could keep it as a cash flow investment. So we really try to educate our buyers, no matter what stage of the game they're in, um, to know that this is an investment in your future, another asset in your portfolio. And, you know, whether you short term rent it, which is a big thing that we do for our own investments, you know, we get excited about that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's the gift that keeps giving if you do it right. And I think that's the perfect segue into our topic, which is different exit strategies, how to make sure that your first purchase is a smart investment. And for those of you listening that maybe don't know about investments, there are depreciating assets, and then there are appreciating assets. When you've got money in your savings account, you can start using that money to pay your way through college or use that money to make more money for yourself. And you can start investing. So once you've got, some financial advisors would say, once you have three months of your living expenses saved, you can start investing. Other people would say six months to a year. Um, My husband and I, we started when we had about six months of our monthly living expenses saved. In my case, I had about $6. <laughs> there you go. Yes. If you're Lindsay, you can start with $6. That works too. It's really about feeling comfortable, right? Feeling comfortable to take that leap and to take a risk. And that's what an investment is. It's a risk. But you can use that money, and some people do this, to buy a car. A car is a depreciating asset. You buy a car for $50,000. You drive it for 100,000 miles. When you go to sell that, you are not going to get that $50,000 back. You're probably going to sell it for half of what you bought it for the second you drive it off the lot. That is money that is not making money for you versus buying an appreciating asset. So you buy a house for $250,000. You know, Maybe you had to bring $10,000 cash to the table. Maybe it's $20,000. But you buy something for $250,000. Now you can manipulate it, change some things about it, hold on to it for a couple of years, enjoy it, have birthday parties and make memories inside those walls. But then now you can go and sell it for $350,000. And that is an appreciating asset. So 
Let's get into buying a home and thinking about the exit strategies. Lindsay and Kristen, if you guys want to kind of talk about what you've seen in your market and what you've seen certain clients do, we'd love to also hear about your personal story and your home and how you made that work. I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing it firsthand from you. So let's get into it. I guess, I mean, we have client success stories, but also if you just, you know, if I think about where I started and one of the most important books that I read early on was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's where I actually learned what an asset and a liability is. And for me, real estate has always been like a savings account because mm-hmm. I can't touch the money once I put once I put it down on the house. And so I love that security of knowing I can't spend it on coffee or something frivolous and it's going to be there. I can see it, touch it, feel it, and I can make mo- monthly income off of it. So for me, I bought my first house, you know, for, like I said, 120 down, but I quickly noticed the houses around me appreciating. And, you know, I had no money at the time. Um, My ex-husband and I, he had just started work as an engineer and there was a free financial advisor. And I'm like, let's meet with this guy because I'm reading in this book that you act as if you have money. And he's like, what would we talk to him about all our debt? And he's the person that educated me. He's like, well, I see some low-lying fruit here. And what it was is the house that we had purchased for $120,000 had already appreciated probably by $75,000 just in like six months because the market was, you know, it was before uh, 2008 and the market really increased. So he told us about a cashback refinance and I had never heard of that. So I pulled $40,000 paid all our credit card debt off, saved like $800 a month in income, and then had a little bit left over to do the exact same thing on an investment property. Um, And, you know, this was an owner finance deal, so I didn't have to put the 20% down, but I just became a machine and was like, okay, so then that one, you know, I bought under value and sold it. I actually did that a couple times before I had a chunk of money that I could then put down on a house that I could keep and rent. So, you know, it was just an education for me. And, and, you know, now um, my rents cover my mortgages and some of my properties I do Airbnb and make like four times what I could make on a monthly income. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think like one of the things that we talk about with clients, especially clients buying their first home, if they're single, which a lot of first time home buyers are single, uh, which is you know, a demographic that's increasing for home buyers of like, I don't have to be married to buy a house. I can buy a house right now. Let's do it. One of the things we talk about is, okay, you can actually, that's a great opportunity because you can leverage possibly if you have a roommate um, where they can be paying a portion of your rent, which is going to help you, you know, obviously decrease your monthly costs, but also maybe, maybe allow you to stretch into a better neighborhood that's going to have a higher appreciation because your roommate or your your two roommates are going to help you lower that cost. So like, that's one kind of like, I guess, like investment strategy Mm -hmm. of like, could this help you get into the Austin market? Um, I feel like we call it like house hacking, yeah. you know, you like house hack it and help, you know, have a friend help cover. Um, I mean, Brendan's a great example of, yeah. Or like, like, so in Austin, um, you know, it's pretty, it's common to find homes with maybe like a little back house, or if you don't have a back house, you could do like a tiny little casita, casita or, or even like I, we've had clients who have bought a property and you can purchase like basically like these really cool prefab trailers that are like really well designed mm-hmm. um, that are, that are like totally fixed out and they can, you can live back there. And so that's another way is like, okay, you want to buy a property, but you're feeling stretched monthly payment. How can we monetize 
that property on a monthly basis to make you feel more comfortable. Maybe that's buy a house, buy a house with a back house with a casita, have a roommate. You know, we also have clients who Airbnb their home while they're living there. So they, you know, maybe they travel for work or they go out of town a lot, or they have honestly like a friend who is like, I'll, I'll come stay at your house. Like, can I come sleep at your house? I have Airbnb guests this week and I'm going to make two grand. I'll pay you like, I'll pay you 300 bucks to let me stay there. Whatever. Like that, like, it's just kind of like, how can you make money on this asset that you own? 100%. And I feel like that's the difference with this generation is like, we saw our parents get into all of this debt and get credit cards. And my parents still, I mean, they would tell you if they're sitting next to me, they still are paying off their house that they've owned for over 30 years. And they just did not think of their home as a way to make more money for themselves. They were like, I'm going to go to my nine to five. I'm going to make as much money as I can at my job. And that's where I make money. And you're not thinking about the rest of your life and the rest of your time away from the workplace and how that can also be making you money. And it's not just about having a strong budget or, you know, saving a certain amount every month. It's also how can I be scrappy and house hack a little bit so that I can be in a better position when I'm 50 years old or 60 years old. You know, this is a big topic right now is how to be really financially smart right now. Even for those of you that are listening that are maybe still in high school, you can be smart starting now um, so that you are set up to be in a position like Lindsay and Kristen and own your home and start Airbnb. You're letting your roommates pay for your mortgage every month and you can just be really wise with your investment. And here in Nashville, we've got a lot of similarities to Austin. We have a lot of bachelorette parties coming here and using Airbnb spaces like it's going out of style. We have a lot of people that rent out their homes to people coming here to record an album or coming here to do their residency. What other exit strategies do you guys see in Austin? Are you seeing people buy land and subdivide it? Are you seeing people turn their homes into duplexes? What are some other ways that you can increase the potential of the property that you're looking to buy as a first-time home buyer? Yeah, so um, so some of the other exit strategies other than just Airbnb being like kind of the typical way um, is really it basically doing 30 day furnished rentals. So in Austin, there can be restrictions on Airbnb. Um, you have to have a permit to do it. <clears throat> Airbnb is like short-term rental is anything less than 30 days. So anything more than 30 days, the city of Austin doesn't require permits, which allows you a lot more freedom. So some of our clients have basically set up like they're furnishing the house, they're renting it out for 30 days minimum via Airbnb um, or maybe another resource. Like we actually had a client just the other day they have a, a lease property um, and there are companies that actually specialize in corporate housing. So they work with like traveling nurses um, or, you know, just business travelers that are coming into Austin for on a project or something. Um, and they guarantee basically like 25 ish percent more than the standard long-term, long-term lease. lease. So if you could rent your house out for 2,500 on a 12 month lease, then you could probably get, you know, closer to like, Three grand, thirty-two hundred, working with a corporate housing company that's going to lease out your home for you, and they manage it as well. Yeah. Um, so that's a great alternative if you can't, if you're not going to short-term rent, is to do the thirty-day furnish option. Like I love, I love that because it just gives. It's like super kosher mm-hmm. and yes. Um, you know what yeah. other what other um, exit strategies? I mean, I think buying like I think you know looking at how many units you're buying, like buying a duplex or a fourplex, like that's going to give you a lot of exit strategies because you could long-term rent. If you bought a fourplex, you could long-term rent too. 
Yeah, and, and we had a client that. that bought a fourplex a few years ago for next to nothing, and then we realized that it had a multifamily zoning and that the four units could be turned into condos very simply, like with the condo regime. Mm-hmm. And then it really maximized the value, and he was able to sell it for so much more. Um, and then you could sell those four units. You know, so, you know, there's all kinds of ways to make money. And and also when you buy a, an under, you know, I say make money on the purchase, you know, like we, we love to find off the market opportunities. And, you know, I made a lot of my money by buying off the market from people who really didn't know what their house was worth, much like the situation you were talking about with the duplex. It's like, this is why being smart about what can be done Per city code or rezoning a property. There's just so many ways that you can be ahead of the market. And a lot of people have no idea what their property, what the best use for the property is. Yeah. And so, you know, if you can find somebody that doesn't know, then that's an opportunity. That's exactly right. Is when you're looking at a property, don't just look at the MLS listing. Look, get on the tax records, find out as much information as you can about that property. Look at the zoning records and see what it's zoned for. Is it in a flood zone? What kind of flight path is this in and really understand all of the different angles that you can look at this property so you understand its best use and its best potential. Know which developments are being built. Know what neighborhoods are getting brand new developments right next door so you can understand, is this property going to be worth more in 15 years or is my view going to be completely blocked by this skyscraper that just got you know, announced to be built in the next four years? So just understanding your property from all angles, I think, is a common theme here. This is a perfect reason why people really need to have an educated real estate agent. I always tell people, even when they're moving to another city, like make sure the person that you're working with understands and understands the city code, what the best use, because that's where you can make or break um, yeah. a deal. And and you know, if you are not quite educated enough to figure it out yourself. You need somebody who can advocate on your behalf and really understands that. So, you know, we all hear that realtors are like used car salesmen and stuff. I I laugh at that because, you know, cream rises to the top. Like the few of us that really know our stuff, like we're making a very good living in this business. And there's a reason for that because this is like having a, um, you know, it's like having a CPA or an attorney on, working on your behalf, like we really advocate for our clients. And, um, you know, that's priceless when you're starting in this game, you need somebody who knows this stuff as you are learning. Another exit strategy just that I thought of, or like way essentially to monetize your space other than Airbnb is, um, there's a company called peer space and they basically offer homes or spaces for like photography studio sets, or like if they're, if, if someone, if like a, crew is doing a commercial and they need they need to run out your space for three days. And so that's another alternative of like, hey, you might not want to have like guests staying there via Airbnb, but companies running out your home to have like a corporate retreat or have like a, you know, video shoot or yeah. whatever. Like that's another way to monetize your space. And that's pretty easy for you to do while you live there because you could just schedule around, you know, mm-hmm. when they're going to be there. Um, and it doesn't interfere with the city, you know, requirements and standards. So one of the things that I think is pretty unique to Austin is basically developers have started to condo regime lots, which essentially means that they're, maybe they, they buy a property, they tear down the house, and then they build two houses on the same lot. And it's the A and the B unit, and then they sell them individually. 
So, and they're technically considered a condo because the, the lot itself isn't subdivided. Um, so it's basically like very cheap. It costs probably like five grand or mm-hmm. something to, to condo regime a property. But now you can sell two units individually, even though they're on the same lot. And so one of the things like that we talk about with our clients when they're looking at homes, okay, if you're going to buy a house, if you can buy a house with the minimum lot size to condo regime it down the road, that's going to set you up with this like amazing land asset that isn't being currently utilized, but at some point you could utilize that. So I think what's the minimum lot size? It's like 7,000 square yeah, feet. 7,000 square and feet. And I'm a perfect example. My homestead that I bought 12 years ago had a big lot. You know, I have a 1910 house on the front, which I fixed up, but it wasn't until 2019 when I decided to develop it. And I didn't do the condo regime, but I built a back house that has two Airbnb units. And so one, you know, I could at any time do a condo regime yeah. for $5,000 and sell off sell my it. back. But that, you're cash flowing right now. Oh, totally. And, you know, that that could like pay for everything, just the back, the back house. So when we are looking at properties with clients, it's like, what's the potential here for this property? It's not just a little shack in front. It's like, if you can do something with the back half of the lot, then you've already, it's already paid for itself. The other thing that's pretty crazy with this specific strategy is, you know, tech, you're, what you're building in the back is called a B unit, essentially, or an ADU, accessory dwelling unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of like the entry level price point to get into any like cool hip area. It's obviously new construction, um, but the price per square foot is pretty insane because you're, buying a 900 square foot, two bed, two and a half bath B unit. Um, and it's kind of like the cheapest way to get into these areas and, and buy like a new house. Mm-hmm. And so you can build one of these units for, th- let's just say 300,000 mm-hmm. and they sell for like 600. Yeah. Right. Um, 650, you know, the market has shit. It's just like, and you're like, this is, this is just like, it's like, what? Like you can make that much money. Even if you're not going to do it, like sometimes it's like, they're like, Hey, I don't know how to build a house. Like that feels so overwhelming. We're like, yeah, totally. But if you're not going to do it, that's fine. But the value that can be extracted is still there. So when you go to sell that property, you, we can make sure that like that value is attached mm-hmm. to the home. So like the person buying it could be paying a premium because they could possibly do that. And we're going to pitch it that way. Right. So it kind of helps like hold value long-term. Right. And we have a lot of that happening here in Nashville. I have some clients that came to class. They were engaged. They're like, we want to buy a house. And I showed them through teaching them this class is that you don't want to just buy a house. You want to think about what is the potential with this house. And we ended up finding them a house here in East Nashville that it was was zoned for a duplex, but there was only one house on it. And even the listing didn't have any information about it being zoned for a duplex lot. But I found it because I'm a hustler like you guys are. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going for a duplex. And this property just immediately almost doubled in value, but the listing agent didn't know it and the seller's agent didn't know it, but I did. And I told the buyers, I'm like, you guys should buy this. We'll negotiate still and get some things paid for. We got their closing costs paid for. It was on the market for 485. I think we got it for 450. And this was back when really hardly anybody was getting a deal. And we bought it, closed on it, and they built a house in the back. And so they actually moved into the back house that they got to design. I connected them with a builder. I helped them come up with the floor plan. They moved into this brand new back house and they flipped the front house. And now renting out this front house, 
pays for itself and pays for the back house and they're living for free. And now they get to travel. They just had a baby. They bought a little silver bullet trailer. They're traveling the world and Instagramming it all. And their property is now paying for their travels as well. And that right there is in a nutshell, the beauty of owning real estate. And that's really what we're trying to get across in this podcast and with this episode specifically is that buying a home isn't just so that you can pay the mortgage and live in it and sell it 30 years later when you move somewhere else. That is not why we think you should invest in real estate. We want you to invest in real estate so that you can set yourself up to live the lifestyle that you want to live and be in a different financial bracket years later because you took that risk and made such a smart financial decision. And you don't have to wait until you're engaged or married to do that. You can do that as a single individual. Um, And it doesn't matter if you're starting at buying a $500,000 investment or $150,000 investment. You are smart for even just taking the leap and, and making a purchase in general, no matter where you're at in the process. One thing I want to say about that is that, um, you know, compared to our, like our parents' mentality where it was like you buy a house, you live in it for 30 years, you work, uh, you know, at an office, you have your 401k. Like what, what I did when I was starting out, you know, every two years I was moving into a new house and remodeling it with two babies. You know, it was not easy. So that's, that was the thing for me. It required a lot of work and hustle and thinking and moving and strategizing and it was a lot of work but I would rather have that lifestyle than be chained to a desk and I think that our gener- this younger generation kind of has realized that because for me it was freedom even though I was working hard it was like on my terms mm-hmm. and so that's why it was worth it to me so it I don't want anyone to have an illusion that this is easy because it's yeah. not um it's not it requires a certain personality um but once you get the t- like once I got the taste of it I knew that it was mine it was like something I was doing for myself like I never thought that I could make that kind of cash in one lump sum. And that's, and for me, it was, I had an early realization. I thought that I just wanted to be wealthy or, you know, have a bunch of money. And I realized early on, oh, it is not about the cash sitting in my bank account. It is about the art of the deal. <laughs> like I was just addicted to like the next thing. And, and that's where I, you know, get excited for my clients and, you know, it's just, it's like a challenge with each deal. Like, how can you make this work? It's cool to see also clients who have, you know, bought their first home, you know, working with Lindsay and I, and we're like, Hey, you can do it. Let's figure it out. They've done it. And now two years later, they're like, all right, I'm ready to buy another one. Like, let's go do it. And you really, we, we get to like personally witness the success stories of people who were terrified to buy a house and didn't think they could had, you know, only 5% down or whatever the down payment is. They trusted us, worked through some of the like fear, did it. And now, you know, it's been five mm-hmm. years or however long and, and they're continuing to do it. Like they've gotten the taste of it and they're moving forward. And so, yeah, and they have a and portfolio. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I bought that house five mm-hmm. years ago because if I hadn't done that, then it's almost like that, that one action kind of like opens up. Yes your like universes open up to all of your possibilities. Yes. But without, you have to push past that fear. You have to take that yeah. kind of first step and that first like, all right, I'm going to take this risk that feels really scary in order to experience that. Right. And I think it's important to remember that it's not – and this podcast isn't like, hey, let's all get rich because that's what life's about. That's not what life is about. But life is about time and – having financial freedom can give you more time and that you don't have to sit necessarily in your nine to five job. You can go and 
travel remotely or go live in Mexico for a month because you have this Airbnb paying for your expenses. It's it's about time and, and spending your time wisely and having the freedom to do that. And financially, you can get to a place where you have that freedom and you have more time. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Like it's like Lindsay and I are both like we have similar we're not, money. Mindset. We're not like motivated by making like I don't think we're like we got to get rich and we got to have the most expensive things and like climb the social ladder. Mm-hmm. It's really just like I just want to be happy. I want to have a balanced lifestyle. I want to love my husband. I want to love my family. Like I want to be able to invest in the relationships that are important to me. Um, and having having assets and investment and having that freedom allows you to do that. And I think you know like. Like we have a couple, like my husband and I own a couple Airbnbs and we love to be able to like let our friends stay there for free when they're in town visiting Austin. Mm-hmm. Or like if someone has a need of a, of a friend, they can like, yeah, man, we have a place for you. Like yes. go stay there. Don't pay us. Like we're good. And that's awesome. Like it's awesome to have those like vehicles to be able to get give back yes. or like whatever. So yes, I mean, I have. Yeah, I've let family and friends stay and, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, those are the things that make me feel good. And and the other part of this is I have two teenage sons and we travel, we travel a lot. And that was something that once I got to a certain point in my career and they were old enough, it's like, that is the, those are the experiences, first of all, that have shaped them going to different countries. And I could not do that if I had not set myself up this way early Mm -hmm. in my in my life. And it's like, okay, that's what living is to me. Um, and Kristen and I, we share those values, but it's like, it's more about the experience than being, I don't know. The experience and like, I think the relationships and like maintaining, you know, like having freedom to be able to like do the things that you love essentially Mm -hmm. and not feeling financially stressed. So, um, but yeah, (laughs) we're like, everyone needs to do it. Yes, 100%. And it all takes with it all starts with taking the first baby step of okay, I want to get to that point. I want to be generous with the things I've I've been able to accomplish in my life and be a blessing and continue to bless other people and spend time with your kids and go travel and hopefully through this podcast and through these classes people are just going to get more education and more information and it is amazing like being able to hold these people's hands through this process of, yeah, this is a life-changing thing that will happen to you once you own a property. And it's just a matter of being, you know, educated on what you can do and what your options are. And um, I think you guys have touched beautifully on that. Our last question for this episode, because we're running a little bit out of time. Um, Last question would be if you could give your future self or a first-time homebuyer, one piece of advice, one golden nugget from your experience, what would it be? I think I I'm think sorry. for me is, um, you know, just like half the things that we're scared of never come to fruition. So really just take um, one step at a time. And for me, I, I did one deal at a time slowly. And I built this very slowly instead of comparing myself to what other people were doing. And, and sometimes that felt like it was a turtle pace. But, you know, 20 years later, like, I've really done something for myself. And um, I'm so glad that, you know, I just tried to make one step at a time. Yeah, I think mine would be, um, don't overthink it. I think that sometimes, like, I personally struggle with, like, paralysis analysis, or did Mm -hmm. I say that right? Yeah, Um, where I just can overthink a decision, and that causes me not to act, because I'm just like, I want it to be right. 
you know, and we tell our clients all the time, there's no perfect thing. Like there's no perfect house. There's no perfect area. There's no perfect decision. You kind of just have to do it. You have to get in the game. You have to just get in the game. And so I think just don't overthink it and just act. Obviously don't be dumb and like just whatever. But I think generally speaking, when you, when there's action, um, there's also education from that action. So it's like you figure it out. Yeah, Like momentum follows that. And so, um, yeah, I probably would tell myself like, just do it. Like (laughs) just, just go for it. And like, you will be able to figure it out yes, along the yes. way. You can problem solve if something comes and up. And also, that you when expect. you expand into new territory, I think the universe, like, it's like the sea parts and then resources come your way. And, and, you know, I'm all about manifesting, and I can get on a whole podcast about that. But it's like anytime I've made a step forward, it's like it, the universe rains down opportunities for me. But I have to move past my fear in order for it you know, the sky to park and it always does. And I'm always taking care of. I totally agree with that. So tell me a little bit about Austin's market. I've never been to Austin. I'm dying to go. And I know Nashville and Austin are very similar. I hear that all the time, but what is the market like down there? I know you have a lot of tourists. I'm assuming you also have a lot of cowboys. Tell me, what is it like? Give me the rundown. I don't, do we have a lot of cowboys? Yeah, I can tell you where they are. (laughs) Do cowboys exist in Texas? Please let it be true. Do do cowboys exist? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. But you have to, you know, if you want to wrangle one in, you got to learn how to two-step. So Okay. And okay. I can, we can teach you. Yeah, honestly, Lindsay can teach you. She's the master. I'm taking notes. Austin, first of all, I think it's hilarious you haven't been here because Nashville, I do think, is really similar. People yeah. always compare Nashville. I feel like Nashville, Austin, and Denver, mm-hmm. there's always this, like, you know, kind of energy that's similar and and people will compare it. But I mean, Austin has blown, absolutely blown up in the past, what? Five to seven years. Five to seven years. I think Austin prior to that was considered this really cool kind of sleepy town that was really affordable to live in, but also had a lot of culture with live music and um, hike and bike trails and like Lakes, you and know, nature. lakes and nature and it's like also very down to earth and it's just this really cool town for like artists and that kind of thing um and then at some point it just got put on the map honestly probably because of like tech companies moving here mm-hmm. but uh and now it's just like absolutely blown up i mean we have i think the stat is like 130 to 140 people moving here a day yeah austin yeah. has always been entrepreneurial it never had a lot of industry like Houston or Dallas oil and Austin is now a tech hub. So everything has changed. You know, Oracle moved their headquarters here. Tesla, Tesla yeah. um, Samsung is developing their headquarters in Taylor, which is like an outskirt city of Austin. Um, so in and Apple, I mean, yeah, Amazon, Google all have their like secondary offices Facebook. here. Yeah. So it's, it, we now have, <clears throat> our own industry, if you will. And, you know, people are just coming here in droves. So it's changed the face of real estate for sure, because most, you know, most um, techies are young, hip, they're making more money than the average Mm -hmm. um, young person. So, you know, and this is a whole nother topic, but like what are first time home buyers or, you know, just first home buyers in general are typically making quite a bit of money 
and they're older. We also have the university, and a lot of times I work with professors who are in their late 30s and 40s that are buying a home for the first time because they've been in academia for so long. So that's it's interesting in Austin. You have these very well-educated people, and then we have to educate them on something that you associate. You know, you don't associate first-time home buyer with someone who's middle-aged. Oh, my gosh. We had a girl come to our class who's older than my mother, and she she was one of those where she's like, I never, I've never been taught this stuff. I never thought I'd ever own my own home. I just thought I'd go the rest of my life renting. And she was a single mom of three kids. And she came to my class and now she has, I think she's got like $75,000 worth of equity in her home. And she's only owned it for about a year and a half. And she's just through the moon so excited. And she's like, I never thought I'd, I'd get to this point. But it's, you're right. I mean, it's crazy how educated people can be, but yet just feel so, what's the word? They feel so stuck in their finances. And they think, well, unless I get a raise or unless I, you know, something happens and I've got all this cash now, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. And they don't realize that they're almost spending the same amount in rent as they could be for their mortgage. And it's just about having the right coaching, the right education on it. Austin's this like booming market that historically has been multiple offers. It's very hard to get under contract. You're competing against these cash buyers, you know, and so I think the average home buyer is a little hesitant. Yeah. You know? And like they're kind of like, can I, like buying a home in Austin's a pipe dream. I feel right. like I've heard many people say that. And Lindsay and I are like, no, it's not. Like we, like 100, <laughs> like there's, there are so many ways to do it. We're inside the market all the time. And so when people are on the outside listening to the radio or hearing the articles, hearing their friends talk about having missed out on multiple homes, it's like becomes this thing that, okay, we could never do that. So they just make that decision and they really don't have any other information. Um, So, you know, when we do find people like that, it's like once we dive in, and explain the process and they have a better understanding. It's like, okay. So, you know, so many people just sit on the periphery and assume that this is not for them or, or it's unattainable. So that's when we really like to be like, okay, let's, let's come up with a game plan. Even if it takes a year or two to map this out, like we're all about strategy, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you sit on the sidelines, like you're never going to have a chance to get it. You know, it's like that saying, the best time to plant a tree is today or 20 years ago. I'm so glad that I started early in my life because I would never have the portfolio that I have today. It would be impossible. So, you know, starting as early as you can is so important to your financial yeah. future. And to Austin, I think this is, I feel like this is unique to Austin, but because the city as a whole is just, is booming. There's so many people moving here, so many tech companies that are moving here, tons of, you know, investors that are, in the market, investing in these companies and the economy is really good. It's like, there's so many different areas in Austin where someone could buy. It's not like there's just this one area where if you buy here, you kind of like got in early. It's like pretty much anywhere you buy in Austin, there's some crazy big development happening. You know, like even, even like a suburb and there's like, you know, Samsung's headquarters are, are moving and they're like starting, you know, a massive project there or, There's like a a mixed use, like, you know, mall type, like project happening probably in like, I know like the Hutto area and even like East Riverside. Like it just feels like the commercial side of investors coming in and and developing is crazy everywhere. And so that's why also like from a price point perspective, 
there are lots of different price points that could fit different buyer criteria. And if you buy in that price point, you're still going to have probably like a large upside because of the development that's happening around it. Yes. And I come from Houston and you had to drive 45 minutes to get to somewhere like, I remember Mm -hmm. growing up, like to get to the mall or where the shopping was, we had to go 45 minutes. Austin with the toll system that is being put into place and the expansion, it's like 15 minutes when they're, you know, if it's you, really close. Yeah. So all these different developments are coming up. It, it means that you can still have a great investment and not be in downtown proper, you know, so that's exciting for people who say, well, I can only afford under 500. It's like, okay, we have options. We have options that are going to basically get the same benefit that moving yeah. downtown. As a way to start, you know, it's like you got to start somewhere. Well, you guys are amazing. I love what you're doing in Austin. I can't wait to come down there and see Austin for myself. But thank you guys so much for giving us all of your wisdom on this podcast episode today. And if you are in the Austin area, definitely reach out to Lindsay and Kristen. They are the Waller House team. They're absolutely incredible. And I know they will take just great care of you. And if you're in the Austin area and want to come to an in-person How to Buy a House class, definitely get on our website and sign up for their upcoming classes. Lindsay, Kristen, thank you so much. Jessica, <laughs> thank you, Jessica. This is awesome. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful day. You too. Stay tuned for more episodes from the How to Buy a House class. You can follow us on Instagram. We're at the How to Buy a House class. You can also email us. Yes, we still use email and we would love to connect to you that way as well. You can reach us directly at hello at howtobuyahouseclass.com. And I also would love to connect with you. My Instagram handle is at Jess Lou Randolph. And we hope you have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening and God bless you.